Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the 414 Deli. It's your boy, Cisco, as always, with your boy, Ryan. That's me. What up? What's going on, man? What's hey, we here on? to talk about my favorite topic, bro. You already know I love talking about the pack. Well, I feel like it's much... Even if you're not a Packer fan, like, football talk is much needed right now. Like, this is a real sad time for yeah, football but, fans. But let's be honest. The pack is back. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, but, yeah, we're gonna yeah, talk about. Yeah. We're gonna do a quick recap, right? Yeah, I, re- we... I mean, I realized we never really actually talked about how we felt about the season in totality. We talked about how we felt about you know losing the playoffs and all that, and and it just getting to the playoffs. But we really didn't talk about how we felt overall about the season, and you know what I mean. Talk about the the things that you you know the the journey that this season was, right? Like, and I think it's important for anybody listening that, you know, we do those expectations. We did it with the bucks. We do it with the Packers that we wrap it up then with, you know, how did, I didn't go back and listen to our expectations episode before the season, but I kind of remember, you know what I mean? Like I kind of had a feeling, I have a feeling of how I felt then. Yeah. And we can talk about how like our perception has changed or our feelings have changed now that the season's over and what do we need to do this off season to take that next step, you know, to get out of the divisional round and into the conference championship with the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it, 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 the, the timing works because we got free agencies kind of around the corner. So, you know what I mean? I think that that works. This is kind of a good time to have this. Normally I feel like we do it earlier, but I feel like this is a good time because there's, there's that connection, right. And within a couple of yeah. weeks we'll be, talking about what we did or didn't do so um, and then we'll be talking about the draft so like all of this stuff rolls into each other with giving some breaks certain weeks to kind of you know address other sports things or other topics so that we're not rolling in a month straight of football talk where we talk about recap slash what do we want to see in free agency what happened in free agency what do we want to see in the draft what happened in the draft right yeah so we're not just like bombarding people with football all at the same time because we both if you've listened to us longer than a year first off shout out to you but for anyone that hasn't our pre-draft episode is lit bro that is that's still my favorite episode that we do and uh i don't want to like still make i still do a mock draft it's still doing mock drafts, but I mean, the combines this week right so that's big for football fans if you pay attention to the draft because some guys aren't throwing, some guys aren't working out, some guys like, is that going to affect the draft status, et cetera? Not that we're here to talk about that, but it's going to go into those it, talks. Yeah, are gonna, it plays into it. it plays, plays into, into it. it. it yeah. Things will get ramped up. Like maybe someone falls to 25. Yeah. I mean, we're at an interesting, and not to get into it too much, but we're at, we are at an interesting position because we're kind of, you're kind of on the outskirt, right? Of, of top top 15 to 20 talent you know what i mean like you're you're almost kind of at the back end of you're at well not almost but you're close to the back end of the draft so you're kind of you need someone to fall yeah and you're in that position where like people people roll the dice you know what i mean And, and depending on how other teams start drafting like the draft is the most unpredictable thing in my opinion like outside of maybe the top four guys it's the most unpredictable thing because you don't know who's jumping for what, um, who's 
going to start the run on a certain position because you start to see that, like, you know, oh, shit, three receivers, then teams that maybe weren't really going to go for the receiver at that position or at that point in their draft have to now change it up. So um, the combine is just one of those variables that play into that. Yeah, for sure. I think think that, like, how we're going to structure this, like, recap, expect free agency expectancy or uh ex, you know what we're expecting and then post free agency and how that affects what we're going to want in the draft and then what we actually get right um yeah and i, I want to make one last comment about the draft before we jump into free agency there's no team and this isn't factual so if somebody researches this and i'm wrong i apologize but i'm going off of the feel of the draft since brian gutenkunst has taken over for ted thompson nobody in my opinion in the nfl weighs their draft picks more heavily on like workout numbers and like raw data than the Green Bay Packers, right? Every year we see us taking these athletic freaks that we will teach the skill if they need it, right? The Lucas Van Nesses, the fucking, I mean, Bo Melton, things like that. Like we didn't draft Bo Melton, but we went and got him because of his, his raw scores, right? Yeah. So those types well, even of things, offensive like, linemen. We look offensive at linemen. We look at it like we need, we want athletic people that can change positions because we can teach you the technique when you get to Green Bay. I say we because I'm on the coaching staff. You didn't know, hey. Um, but you know what I'm saying. So like no, this week sure. is super is huge to the Green Bay Packers. So it's, with the, with, I go ahead. Say, it's funny because I was talking with Saad uh, earlier. I was seeing if he wanted to hop on today. But I was talking with him, and uh, we've been going back and forth, like even texting, like different prospects, the guys that he likes, and we're talking about offensive linemen. And I was telling him, you know, the one thing you got to remember, like when you're doing these drafts, even even as a fan doing a mock draft, right, on these apps that we're doing them on, like to be realistic, like if you're trying to be realistic, you have to think about how the Packers are going to draft. So I, I told him, I was like, he was uh, talking about offensive linemen. I was like, well, you know, we like those athletic and versatile offensive linemen. You got to be able to play, you know, center guard, uh, guard tackle. Like you got to be athletic and be able to play multiple positions. Like th- we might see a guy get drafted. Uh, we might draft an offensive lineman who maybe the NFL or the media don't think is the best guy, you know, but, we're not we're not Elton drafting Jenkins. based off of that. We're drafting to to what fits our team and what fits our look. You know what I'm Again, saying? Again, it goes back to that we can teach him the technique. It's the Elton Jenkins. David Bakhtiari was a fourth round draft pick, right? Yeah. He turned into one of the best left tackles in NFL history. Following injuries, he might have went down as one of the best left tackles in NFL history. Yeah. So we don't draft guys based off of for the most part, especially in the Goody era. I know Ted Thompson was Bakhtiari, but Especially in the Goody era, Zach Tom. But we don't draft guys for specific positions and needs when it comes to like linemen. It's it's the Colby Woodens, the Cobbooks, and that goes for defense, right? It's the athletic guys who can come out and just give it their all because at the end of the day, when you have a team full of athleticism, that shit's gonna win in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and so segue for that. Without further ado, we saw it at the end of the year, right? The team, the way this team turned around at the end of the year has to give you just pure 
I don't like what would the word be like optimism, I guess. Like yeah, that, I think that's that this a, team that's, is gives you something to be optimistic about. Like hopefully. I understand you you look at the Vegas, you know, pre draft, pre free agency, I think we're fourth best odds to win the Super Bowl, things like that. Like that all has to do with how we finished the season and how we competed in the playoffs against the 49ers, a game that we've talked about and at length. Against Dallas, the way we well, and against Dallas, we we but it really I think people look at that Dallas game and say Green Bay was the better team. They just needed time to figure it out. The 49er game, I think people go, they were completely overmatched, but yet they potentially should have won that game. You and I look at that different, right? Yeah. I don't think we were that overmatched. We lost that game, et cetera. We've, we've talked about it at length. We won't go into it. But overall, this was a unique season, man. We haven't felt – I felt like this season was a – it was a fucking hope. Like hot strings polo, <laughs> right? Like, you, I mean, have a... it's. I think. I think a good way to describe it is it was an emotional season in terms of. Ooh, I got it. You had times of hope and optimism. You had times of frustration. You had times of anger. You had times of letdown. Like we kind of had it all this year, you know, without really having those well i shouldn't say not having expectations because i think that's most other te- other people would yeah, say hey that. hey do you you're not allowed to say that mr no that's, and that's what i'm getting at because hey, I, <laughs> for anyone day, that's new to the pod this motherfucker had us going 13 and 4 i just hey, need bro, to put... the schedule was super easy if you think about <laughs> no the games we lost like if, i know if you look about the games that we should have won i you're probably right. would have been close you would have. You're 100 percent correct that I'm shitting on you because you took a you took a chance and you took the. I let my I let the hope go. You I let you let, I let you, my heart. You were on the hopium, and I like how you said this was emotional up and down. It was an emotional roller coaster of a season. You yeah. come out week one, you blast the Bears because we own them, bitches. Ten straight wins, suck it. And you think that's like the that's the bottom, right? Like oh, th- we. That's our first game with uh, the youngest NFL roster, the youngest offense in NFL, one of the youngest offenses in NFL history. Like, we have nowhere to go but up, right? Right? I mean, yeah. am I wrong? Because that, that's how I no, feel. And then you yeah, go to 100%. And then you I'm go sure to Atlanta. Our group chat. And we you was probably, I mean? yeah, we was probably wiling out. Super Bowl, here we come. And then you Cisco go to Atlanta. Was like 13 and 4. Yeah, 13 and 4. Cisco was wrong, 15 and 2, looking ass. <laughs> but, and then you go to Atlanta and you lay an egg. Right. And it was like, well, yeah. this isn't the same team that went to Soldier Field last week. Like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, you know, we had multiple. It, it's it's not it's not just that we lost. I think it was how we lost and how we looked in comparison to how we looked against the Bears. Right. Because it's like at the end of the day, the two games in and you're one and one. Oh, oh shit. shit. We got we got Bodon <laughs> in the building. <laughs> Kitty, 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 bro. She, where's she been? MIA, man. We haven't heard from nah, man. She Bernard, I guess, been Bernard's coming home mom. early. That's Bernard's mom. I don't even know her name. I don't Bernard's either, mom. actually. Bernard out here, good neighbor. Yo, Bernard out here in the streets, bro. <laughs> 7 15, Bernard. What are you 7 30, Bernard? <laughs> man, good old Bernard. Now I have to get back Anyways. to what I was saying. Well, um, what you. Yeah. One right, we should. We were one and one. More, most people would have been like, "Hey, this is kind of expected." We're a young team, first, you know, time love starting. 
But because we are who we are, and because of how we looked in week one, week two was super disappointing. Because we're Atlanta, like Atlanta's not—they're not good. Yeah, exactly. You're right. And then, and then you go to New Orleans, I believe, week three. Now, kind of feeling a little leveled out, or maybe even a little down, and then that first half starts, right? And you're just like, yeah. "Are you fucking kidding me? Is this seriously what we're in for for the rest of the season?" That's, and then again, wait—that's that, perfect, bro. That's it. That's exactly the feeling. Yeah, that is what. That is like. But then I was gonna say, then the second half, we come back from the biggest deficit I think in Lambo history or something like 19 or something down. It was, it, it, it's one of those games that we come back and we win at the end in this game that we should have never won because we played so poorly in the first half and you're back to the top of the mountain, right? Going, fuck, no one can fuck with us, right? Like no one can bring us off of this pedestal. Cause look what we just did in the second half of last game against the it, top 10 defense Saints. to the Saints. Defense, uh, yeah. And, and then, and then we take us, Happy asses to fucking Detroit and get molly whopped, and you're like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Like, well, hey, and, so, that, and that ties into how we ended the previous. How season. we ended the free because yeah. if you go back and listen to the pregame or even the post, it might have been the post game for the Lions. It could have been the end of the post game coverage for the Saint or episode for the Saints. We said, you know, this team's gonna come and play with their hair on fire because this is the team that knocked them out of the playoffs, and it was the complete opposite. We came out flat. We looked like shit. And it takes you from the top of the mountain back down the roller coaster to the bottom going, this is it, right? Like, this is what – Well, and that takes what, you, like – it takes you lower than what the, the Falcons game took you. Because it's a Falcons divisional game. game. A couple notches. That, that game against Detroit, it took you immediately back to the end of the last season, the season before. 100%. And then – just the lowest you're going to be because – not only are you not getting in the playoffs, but you lost to the, the lowly Lions who aren't so lowly anymore. And you got knocked out of the playoffs. So yeah. it was like you win and you're in. It wasn't just like, oh, that's the end of the season and we ended on a loss. We ended on a loss with the ability to a win and in, right? With, with the, the last year having Aaron Rodgers. With I was just going to say, with 12. So – so then you go into Oakland, the game that you went to. You flew to Oak, you flew, uh, not Oakland. Vegas. Holy shit. Yeah, my bad, everybody. I'm going back to the 1990s. Um, they probably were in L.A. then. So Yeah, I was going to say. I don't know. <laughs> um, but then you go to Las Vegas. You flew out there. It was your bachelorette. I didn't make it, unfortunately. Bachelorette, bro? Come on, bro. Yeah, you know what I'm <laughs> – Jen's about to go to a bachelorette, so that's what's in my head. You're ba- well, you are kind of a bachelorette. Um, your bachelor party and, like, super hype about the game. You were – you had a great ass weekend. You wanted to cap it with a pack of win, and we looked like shit after just looking like shit to the Raiders, which then cement or to the Lions, which then cements this is who we are, right? Yeah, this is well, the team. At that, at that point, we're seeing mental mistakes, and really, at that point, what are we looking at? Like, let's just be honest. We're really focused on Jordan Love and nothing else. Like, one hundred percent. Nothing else really matters. The defense not doing this or. Who you know the special teams not doing that or you know Jones is hurt or Dylan's looking like shit like we we weren't really like while all those things are happening and attributed to how we look the main thing that we're focusing on is love. love and we're being hypercritical right because that's what you do uh, I I don't give a fuck who you're a fan of 
every team. I guarantee Dallas Cowboys are hypercritical of Dak. Like, that's just what happens. Miami, Tua, you know, Buffalo, Josh Allen. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I want to hyper- expand on that. You're hypercritical of them. And at that point, after that Raiders game, I honestly – and I'm, I'll, sh- I'll shout out to Sad because he always reminds me that I said this. I said, man, I don't think Jordan loves the guy. I said yeah. that. And, and I, I can't deny it because he was walking right next to me out of the stadium. So, like, you know what I mean? It wasn't like – but I owned it. Like, I, I felt that. Like, after seeing that, I was like, wow, man. Like, there's just so many mental mistakes being made. Like, this is not going to go how I thought it was going to go this year. It was – I'll put it this way. The feeling I had during this stretch and in, including the next two games that we'll talk about here in a second – was the game was too fast for him. The, yeah. This is the point in the season that. where I started to feel that Jordan Love, even though he had three years of working with Aaron Rodgers, three years of, I think two years of that was with Tom Clements, I still felt like he was thrown into a fire that he wasn't ready for, although he should have been ready, right? I wasn't having doubts of him being the I, – I, yeah, you I, were different. You weren't this quite the same. Yeah. I wasn't saying I didn't feel I didn't have doubts of his future. I had doubts of this season being able to turn it around because I felt like he was and this this sucks. This is a shitty feeling because I'm a fan and I don't know him. I thought he was at the time weak mentally, right? Yeah. Even though on fucking camera the dude looks poised, in control, his play wasn't saying that. Right, he was throwing balls that shouldn't have never been thrown. He was forcing things. He was tripping over his own feet. It just looked he was falling into offensive linemen. Like it was one of those things that it was like the trains off the tracks and you're fucking driving, Jordan. <laughs> so, but I wanted to expand a little bit on what you said that Jordan Love was under a microscope then, and he was. But what I think we did really well, and for those people that are that have time to kill go back and listen to our post game, you know, analysis of of the game, usually either the night of or the day after we were very critical of Matt LaFleur as well, because we felt like he wasn't putting, whether it was personnel on the field or play calling, we didn't feel like he was putting Jordan in the best position where we thought he was at the moment. Right. These wild crosser routes. I mean, that, that was the time of the year would fucking Musgrave craft and Jordan, Jaden Reed would all be in the same spot. And yeah. fall incomplete. And you're like, real time, you're like, Jordan, what the fuck was that? That was a terrible throw. But then you'd watch the replay and you're like, uh, I don't, where was he supposed to go with the ball? You know, like yeah. his receivers weren't helping him out because that's where the youth stuck out. And then we go into a bye week and I felt like we were going to kind of come back out of it. Although Matt LaFleur after a bye week is fucking terrible. I don't know why he just is. Maybe he needs to stop the self-scouting and focus on the team that he's about to play. I don't know what it is, but then we're going to Denver, and then bitches just had 70 hung on him. Right? Yeah. Remember, we felt good about this game. Boy, yeah. were we wrong. We went into Denver. We lost 19-17, but I think Jordan Love it ended looked- the game on an interception. Yeah, and it, it looked worse. And it looked terrible. I mean yeah. – I got the stats up here. I mean, and we're talking about we're talking about a team who's traded a great haul for a guy they might cut already this year. Yeah, and, and the thing was, 
there was no reason looking statistically why we should have ever lost this game. It was not executing and just poor play. So yeah. we lose them. We're now probably at the bowels and depths of hell at this moment, thinking of what the season could be having to go to the Vikings on, I believe a Sunday night. I could have been off. I could be off no, of that, was, but yeah, it was, a, it was a, the late after late the evening or the four okay. o'clock game or three o'clock game, whatever. Well, then, I mean, this one was a blowout on paper, 24 to 10. To me, 14 points in the NBA, NFL, sorry, NFL is a blowout. But it wasn't – I don't remember it feeling that way. And this was the game that Kirk Cousins got tore his Achilles. And we thought yeah. we thought coming into the – after that tear, I think we might have been down seven. And old Jaden – Jordan Hall, whatever the fuck his name is, Hall – and uh, yeah, Jalen yeah. Hall, nope, he did whatever he needed to do. The offense ran the ball. We our, our offense couldn't get shit going, and we lose again, twenty-four to ten. And at this moment, we are one, two, three, four, five, and two and five, and we are looking at oof. <laughs> yeah, you're thirteen and four. It's looking like four and thirteen, and we we were pretty confident. We felt we were pretty confident at this moment in the season that we were looking at a top 10 pick or top five pick. Remember? Yeah. And then I yeah, traveled. Then we, we started getting excited about that. Like... And we were. I think we almost had episodes revolved around what do we look at with a top five pick? Do we go to Marvin Harrison? Do we, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I go to England and we do an international episode. Hey, holla. And the defense looks like it hasn't looked all fucking year against the Rams. 20 to three, three points given up. I know they had a backup um, quarterback. I'm 90% sure that. Yes. But we've been, that dude's yeah. trash. That dude's <laughs> trash. But this was Aaron Jones played. This I think this was Aaron Jones's first game back from when he got hurt week one. Yeah. He looked different. Uh, he lost a fumble that, that didn't really do much, but I think it, it affected the final score because we were driving. And we're back to, hey, those four losses were an enigma. We didn't have Jones, blah, 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 right? Yeah. And then we go to fucking Pittsburgh, and we lose another just close game with interceptions and bad fucking uh, execution. And, again, where are we back, Cisco? I mean, you got the trend here. Where where we go after this one? Back to the bottom of the fucking roller coaster. Yeah. (laughs) Here come the Chargers. I went their to offense is their offense is humming. That was the game you went to with Andrew. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then boy. we had his boys on after uh, for the for the um, for the manager special. special. Yeah, yeah. So we win that one, and then we're like, okay, we got the Lions coming up on Thanksgiving, and they killed us last game at home. Like this is a loss. We we all probably thought we were going to lose, and this was probably the, in my opinion, one of the best games of the year. They put up a touchdown at the end of the the end of the game to kind of make it close but really it was we won 29-22 but it was 29 to 14 with i believe like less than they scored with 41 seconds left so less than a minute we were up 15 yeah so this game wasn't as close as the score says it was we play, we we this was one of the best games we played all year to include Jordan Love 22 or 32, 268, three touchdowns. Yeah. Then, so now we're 
man, we're riding that wave, baby. Yeah. We go to the we go to the Chiefs. Probably no, all of us. I thought the yeah. Chiefs came here. Well, my bad. We played the yeah. Chiefs is what I meant to say. I just misspoke. My bad. My bad. And we beat them. And we're like, oh, shit. Put my, we better book some tickets to fucking Vegas for the Super Bowl, dog. We just took down the Chiefs. <laughs> we in there, right? I mean, for real. What we, yeah. I guarantee if we go back and listen to that manager's special, we were talking about Jordan loves the MVP. Matt LaFleur is the coach of the year. Sean Gary's the defensive player of the year. J.D. Reed's the rookie of the year. Man, you might as well just give all us the give it to all of us because we we in here. And fucking Tommy Two Shoes, fucking Tommy DeVito. Tommy we go to New. <laughs> we go to New York. Go to New York, and we we this game was probably, in my opinion, the most disappointing loss of the season. Because this is the one that it was so like this game should have been won. I mean, there's other ones that should have been won, but we lost 24 to 22 and we just, man, we laid an egg. Yeah. Like, so then next week, Buccaneers coming in at the time, I think the Buccaneers had a pretty abysmal record. They were looking up at the playoffs, just like us. And Baker Mayfield has the best game in Lambeau field history. Statistically. Statistically, the so best now, game. So now, this is probably, well, I think, I want to say week 14 against the Giants is probably when the heavy fire Joe Barry started. Like, bro, bro you can't let. I mean, let's, okay, hold on. Let's be honest. Most, most sensible shit. I, not, I'm not even going to say sensible. Most Packer fans wanted Joe Barry gone last year anyway. True. So but, I think I think though I think what you what you mean to say I'm not I'm speaking for you but what you yeah, mean yeah. to say is that it was heavy on Matt Lafleur what the fuck are you doing do you need to go fire Joe Barry like it was more it was to me nobody wanted Joe Barry and at this point it was why is Lafleur keeping him now we're kind of getting mad and you know, at I think what I meant to say, Cisco, and you're not wrong. You're 100% accurate in saying that based off of my comment. What I meant to say is this is when the fire Joe Barry got loud. Like, it was everywhere. Yeah. Right? We need to make a change. You just let the Giants and Tommy with the good shoes put 24 on you, and then Baker Mayfield put 34 on you at home and have a 158.3 passer rating. It's time to make the shift. If you want yeah. any... If you yeah. want to salvage this this year at all, you need to make a shift. And, and he didn't. I, I I do want to that that Giants game. Tommy Tommy and his and his feet are the one are what did it, and we allowed him to do it. Hundred percent. He had seventy one yards. Later, that guy's benched. Yeah. Uh, no. Hundred percent. Right. How many quarterbacks did we play this year that they were benched at the end of the year? I think like four or five. I mean, he like, he was benched and never saw. He, I don't think he saw the game, the field nah, again. He fired his agent and then got benched. Clown ass. No, he anyway, didn't fire that guy. I, I heard he fired him. Maybe after. We could have to look. No, no, I think that's he, that dude is what made him fucking popular. Well, I think I'm gonna have to. Look. I'm going to have to look it up. I think he fired him the week after the Packer game because he agreed to do some. Uh, or he told him, he told some place that he did a weekly thing at that he charged him like five times as much and he canned his ass. I'm gonna have to look it up. Either way, it doesn't matter. It's fucking Tommy DeVito. The dude's a clown. Anyways, 
And this is yeah. where we start talking Cause he about. Because he didn't, uh, he didn't fire him. He didn't. All right. Well, no. either way, that dude's a clown too. And so then we have the Panthers, Vikings, Bears to close it out. We got to win all three. Two of them on the road. Vikings, no Kirk Cousins. Panthers, worst team in the NFL. And the Bears, obviously, is Lambeau South. But they're coming up to Lambeau. And we win by three against the Panthers, which, looking at the scoring, it was a, a field goal with 22 seconds left to win. So, don't think after that game, I don't remember it that great. Jordan Love played well. But I don't think we were very, like, committed to, hey, we can do something, right? Yeah. Then we played really well against the Vikings, 33-10. to 10. Jordan Love is now – he's him, according to Gary, right? Three touchdowns, blow the Vikings out. Defense looks good. Sean Clifford came in at the end of that game. And then the Bears hey, – seven... Hold on. Hold yeah. on. That makes me think of something. Bro, when we were going through this roller coaster, we forgot to mention – I didn't. I was somebody, trying to avoid it. Somebody we know – was calling for Sean Clifford to maybe get some clock. I mean, I don't know about Bear Claw, but how he feels about it. But somebody in a group somebody chat. Somebody put in a group chat that maybe Sean Clifford should be playing. That's how bad they thought Love was playing. And now, I'm going to – I'll be – I admit to, to what I said, but I definitely didn't say that one. <laughs> now, and I'll admit where, where I went wrong. When I read that comment, I got extremely emotional, extremely heated. I said a few words, and I took a break from the group chat. I took a timeout. And these motherfuckers clowned me for – they still clowned me for taking a timeout. But those comments were egregious, and they were rude, <laughs> and I took offense to them. So we close it Sorry, with the Bears. Yeah. Sorry. No, we're good. We're just we're just clowning. But someone did say that. That's not us just making that up. Um, and then we beat the Bears seventeen to nine at Lambeau. We get into the playoffs. We don't sneak in as we were the six, right? No, or the seven. We were the seven. Yeah, we. So snuck we were in. the seven. We snuck, um, in. <laughs> we snuck in. We go to Dallas. We kind of just talked about it. Everybody said, "Hey, this, you know, Dallas's offense is unbelievable." Blah blah blah. Well, that was embarrassing because we fucked them up. Like that was that was the best we looked all year. We ended up winning forty-eight thirty-two, and really thirty-two is an anomaly because they put up really like fourteen. I think two touchdowns with two point two two point conversions came in bullshit time. And then we go to San Fran, obviously, and the season ends on a game that we theoretically were in control of. We just missed opportunities. And then we kind of, some of that poor execution came back. Yeah. So that brings us to, in my opinion, a successful first season for Jordan Love, a successful fourth season for Matt LaFleur. And really, I mean, if you're talking about one of the youngest teams in NFL history, we show they showed a lot of growth throughout the year from skill positions that we're going to heavily rely upon in the future. Yeah, I mean, you, the calm, you know what I mean? Like you said, a roller coaster ride culmination it is we lose in the playoffs. Uh, again, I'll always say this. I stand by this. You're fucking lying if you say you would rather not make the playoffs. Uh, your, your organization is trash. Uh, you're a trash fan um, because that's you always want. If you're a true fan, you want another game. Um, looking at the season and and what we went through and that roller coaster, making it to the playoffs, I think meant way more than it would have had the season went the way even 
you had said because I think you maybe had him at 10, 10 or eleven wins, right? Maybe ten wins. I thought I had him at nine and seven or nine and eight with getting into the playoffs. It could have been ten. Um, and I thought, I thought Matt. Digits, but I, I thought Matt was in between us. I thought yeah. I was the low end, you were the high end, and Matt was in between. Yeah. So um, I mean, so like, not sure if we would have got to Matt's prediction if uh, we would have listen to his uh, recommendation of starting Clifford, but you know, <laughs> somebody <laughs> said it. Somebody said it. Um, but you know what I mean? So like to, when, when you think about that, like getting to the playoffs after going through everything that, that our team went through this season, I think that that really means a lot in terms of what the organization is looking like for the future and how optimistic we can be as fans in terms of how are we going to, one, are we going to be competitive? Two, do we have a realistic, legitimate chance at going to the Super Bowl? And do we have a chance at winning that Super Bowl? You know, so I think yeah. if we don't make the playoffs, I think it's it's kind of a dismal look, right? That people are going to say, well, we thought he was good. He's clearly not. We need to move on from him. That would have been the consensus. I think the majority would have would have swayed that way. Uh, but making the playoffs is just – it shows you a little bit something. You said the perfect – to me, one word that you used that I would say is a perfect word to associate with the season is growth. We saw that. We saw that from, uh, you know, the team as a whole. We saw it from individual players. We saw it from, from coaching staff. You know, like – Yeah. I, I We were – we were very critical of Matt LaFleur. I was very critical of Matt LaFleur throughout the season. Um, I thought that things looked hell of a lot better at the end. And I would rather have struggled in the beginning. And I know we, we did struggle at the end too, but you know what I mean? I feel like the second half of the season was much more optimistic. I thought, I thought we first. saw the real LaFleur offense, right? We saw yeah. what Jordan Love can do in an extremely structured and like – the timing was there. The the protection was there. The play calling was there. The execution well, and, from a receiver perspective was you, there. That and you so, got to think of, of you got to think of things. Week one we looked amazing. We lost Bakhtiari, right? Yeah. For the season, Aaron Jones misses how many games did he miss this year? I think he missed five. He missed six total, but I think he missed five in that stretch. And then he, he came missed, back, and then he he went out again. Yeah. Okay, so he missed five games at the beginning of the season, right? Like, that's a huge – right, because things looked a whole lot better once he came back. Dylan wasn't playing that great in, in that elevated role. Um, you know, it just there's there was a lot of things uh, that didn't really help. Young offense, youngest – like you said, the youngest team uh, or offense in the league, right? Uh, or is that just team in general? I thought it was team, but it was definitely so, offense. You know, so then then to end the season, right, and you, and you look at these things and you say, okay, like, would you have expected to make the playoffs? No. No. But we did, and we looked great against Dallas. And people can say whatever, oh, Dallas is Dallas, blah, blah, blah. Dallas looked pretty good during the season. They had some games that they lost, but they looked pretty damn good. They, they looked like they could put up points, and the one thing that worried me was our defense. And that's not – you know what I mean? It – I mean, they scored more, but I don't think that that was a direct reflection of how the game went because we were just 
fucking molly whopping them. You know what I mean? So like they're not yeah. a playoffs team. Don't I? I don't. I, I'm not here to credit the Dallas Cowboys, but I'm not here to discredit them either. Um, well, so I think discrediting the Cowboys discredits our playoff win. Yeah. And to and me, that win was all things fair and all things even. We had no business one being there. We had no business winning that game. No. With the roster we have against a team of veterans, a, a, a veteran coach, and a, a season that is way better than what we did, right? Like, Yeah. I mean, you can imagine if Dallas would have played the whole game the way they played, like, the second half type of shit. You know what I mean? Like, cause they well, if we would have got killed, here's the thing. If we would have got killed, everybody would have said, you didn't belong there. It would have been the same narrative we see with any Wisconsin team, right? Yeah. We win, and it's, oh, Dallas, what Dallas didn't play up to their standard. We lose, oh, Dallas is that much better. It's like he, we could never do any right in the eyes of the media. But sans all that, like, fuck all that, who cares? At the end of the day, I go back on my – I like my philosophy for the NFL is if you're not going to win the Super Bowl – don't make the playoffs. And I've said that on the pod before. I've said that to you before. This is the exception. And what do I mean by that? This team was so young, it needed this. I am willing and happy to drop 10 spots in the draft, 10 plus spots in the draft, to go get that experience for the youngest NFL, right? Yeah. And, and that's what you were saying. Like, yeah, while we didn't, we didn't make it to where we all – Ultimately, you always want to win a Super Bowl. It doesn't matter who the fuck you put on the field. We knew the chips were stacked against us this year, but it exceeded my expectations. I didn't expect to beat Dallas. I didn't expect to compete with San Francisco. Yeah. Right? None so at, None of that. at the end of the day, when you're looking at the, the Jordan Loves, the young offensive line, the young running back room outside of – well, I guess that would just be Emmanuel Wilson. and I mean, Patrick Taylor played that game. The young receiving core, the young tight ends, the young linebackers, all those young dudes now look at this season and go, I need more, right? Like, I'm hungry. A loss, a losing season going 5 and 13, 5 and uh, 12, or 13, 4 and 13. Bro, them boys ain't hungry. No. Right? They're like, we're not even competitive. Going 9 and 8 and making the playoffs, if you get that taste, that that soon and that fast in your career, you're never going to want anything less. But when you start with, with being a loser, it's hard. You know, if you're on a team where you're constantly losing, I don't know. I'm not a professional athlete, but I am a human being. And I, it's a mental, I have a self-esteem and you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that would just be fucking disheartening. Like, fuck man, I'm always part of a losing team. Like, does that make me a loser? Like, and I know that I'm like people. Oh, you're just you know that's digging too deep. But these are things that fucking happen. You hear about people that leave sports, you know, two or three years in. What do they talk about? That's what they talk about. They're Cisco, like, there's a reason sports psychologists exist. <laughs> like this is yeah. this is what they deal with. You you are a professional athlete. You are not a loser. You are part of a losing organization. But you you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But that mind over matter, dude. Like it's got to be insurmountable at times for a young athlete to be put in a position to fail. Yeah, so and at the end of that, the day, that taste, 
you, you're not going to settle for less, you know, but I think because they know the standard. Now the standard yeah. is we play the way we played. I'd even say that we play the way we played against San Fran. Cause at the end of the day, we just miss executed. Right. Yeah. I don't think we played bad that game. We miss executed. We fucked things up that we didn't the last four weeks. <clears throat> so looking on this season, I like to use another word and it has a real negative connotation to it, but I think you'll understand where I'm going. And I hope anyone listening does, but tumultuous, like it was super just, I mean, I hate to keep using this, but the emotional roller coaster and it was tumultuous. Like it was like one week it was Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. It was, was, it was like no consistent inconsistent. Yeah. But we saw the consistency at the end of the year. So people listening that maybe might not be Packer fans and they're seeing just sort of the end of the season going, dude, what are you so, excited about well it's the poise and that the, Jordan Love was the best quarterback in the NFL the last eight weeks of the season there's zero doubt about it like the, the stats back it up the record backs it up the teams he beat back it up the way he played the eye test it backs it up not saying he's going to be the best quarterback in the NFL that next year that's not what I'm saying what I'm getting at is he proved himself week in and week out that he can play better yeah he was better than that uh what was the preseason rank of his 24th 24 yeah, yeah i, I mean, wanted to if, if you would i kept the seats you motherfuckers if if you would have told if i would have told you after that raiders game that jordan love would end the season with a 64.2 percent uh, completion 4,159 yards 32 touchdowns 11 interceptions would i would have I, me personally, I would have been like, there's no way, not after that Raider game. No, it, not not even that. If you would have told me that at the beginning of the year, I would have said he's in talks for MVP. I mean, what? like 36 uh, we've seen, and, we've seen those, and 11? We've seen those posts comparing uh, yeah, we have numbers to Love's numbers. And, Love. and, and the point is, Love needed a year like this to prove to the Packers organization but also to the fans and me, you, Cisco, uh, all of us that look at this game and dissect it that, hey, I am the guy. Like I need you guys behind me because at the end of the day, this has got to be my organization. We can't have someone in week five asking for Sean Clifford to get started. We can't have people questioning his poise, myself included. I mean, we can, right? Because that's what we do. It's it's sports and we break it down. We, we talk about it. But at the end of the day, he's not the guy I'm worried about, right? And that's and what he did. He did that. He it wasn't like, that. yeah, he he, he, he owned it. Need to be um, hypercritical of him. In right? two like months, when they, down. in two months when they drop an extension that's a five-year, two hundred million dollars, there's gonna be pundits that that fucking bitch about it. There's gonna be people that say he's overpaid. There's gonna be people that say he's not worth it. But at the end of the day. He has proven that he is the franchise quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. So yeah. let me ask he, you a question. Yeah. I have a question for you. This is my question. We've given our personal perspective on how we feel the season's going, right? Or season went, right? That That's our perspective as a fan uh, of this organization. But I want to ask you, and maybe this is hard to do, but I want you to take a step outside of being a Packer fan okay, and put yourself in a position where you are the new 
either coach or GM of this organization, say that, that, that that's a position that's open this year, how are you feeling about this team after the season they had? you got to feel positive, man. you you got to look, in my opinion, and this is going to – is Are there more – and let me throw a little caveat in there. Not a caveat, but a little additional thing for you to answer at what, before you get started. Are there five other teams in the league that you would rather be in that position? Yes, that, that makes it a little more difficult because of my homoism. But I'll say no, and I'll give you the reason. I'm not just going to say no and leave it at that because it'll feel like it's just no because I'm a Packer fan. No, because of the change to the defensive co- uh, coaching staff, the talent we have on defense, but the youth and the talent we have on offense. That's what makes me look at this and go, hey, 2024 might not be the year. 2025 might not be the year. But when these rookies are on their – Contracts coming up, etc. The Jaden Reeds, the Octavian Wicks, the Bo Meltons, the etc. Right, Rashid Walkers, who I think personally stepped up this year. The Quay Walkers, the I don't know. I could probably keep going, but or the the Kyle Brooks, the you know what I'm saying. The Van yeah. Nesses, when those guys are getting ready for that second deal, they're going to be playing NFL football. Like they played it this year inconsistently. We're not going to worry about Jaden Reed dropping a ball on third and seven in two years. Yeah. That, that hits him in the chest. So if I'm looking at long term, because at the end of the day, your goal when you run a team, whether it's from a GM or a coaching perspective, your goal is to win a Super Bowl. And this team, in my opinion, in the next three to four years, has a top five chance to win a Super Bowl if we don't completely fuck this up. So, yes, I, I would take this team. And I know the Chiefs are the easy one, the, the Ravens, because they have solidified guys at quarterback. Well, if you're going to tell me that those guys – and I'm not – I need to caveat this. I'm not saying Jordan Love is Patrick Mahomes, but I will say that Jordan Love has solidified himself as an NFL quarterback. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I and I – yeah, I think that – I mean, you look at – there's uh, the Chiefs – the Ravens. Um, I, I got it. You, you could argue. I, I feel like the, the Niners might not be in a position. No, cap-wise, they're, they're going to be. I think they might be on their on their way down. And I don't think – I still don't believe in Brock Purdy. So I don't – and I, I think what Love is showing you is that he's capable of doing more with less. I think if you put Brock Purdy on the Packers with these young receivers, I don't think he's having the year that he has. I just don't uh, think the, the talent is there. I the think Eagles Brock Purdy is a, iffy. I don't think the Eagles. Here's a, here's my here's my sleeper team for you. What do you think of this one? The Bengals. Would you rather have the Bengals over? I'm the not Packers? saying I'd rather have the Bengals, but in the next three to four years, I see the Bengals being extremely competitive for a Super Bowl. And it all comes down to who's behind center, man. I think Joe Burrow has that it factor. I think yeah. Mahomes has that it factor. I don't know if Lamar Jackson does. I don't know if Josh Allen does. I don't know if Brock Purdy does. I don't know if Jalen Hurts does. I think Jordan Love does. I think Joe Burrow does. I know fucking Patrick Mahomes does. Tua May, Dak, hasn't yeah. convinced me. So Brown. you're talking – 
you're talking about really eight to 10 teams because of who's behind center. Do they have that capability and capacity to go win one? And I would say Jordan Love is one of the top five to eight quarterbacks that has it. Yeah. I truly believe that. And I would even say Trevor Lawrence could possibly be thrown into that. Justin Herbert. Um, like there are quarterbacks out there that are on the fringe, but they haven't done it in the postseason. Well, guess what? Jordan did in his first yeah. year. He impressed. He looked good. So and- it's a hard question to answer, and I appreciate the question. But my homerism is always going to take over. But I think I can make a somewhat unbiased answer in the fact that this team is primed to be successful in the future. Yeah. And I know you had them 13 and four, but realistic, like if, if we take some of that emotion out the day before and you woke up feeling foggy, we might have you might have looked at it a little different. And it, obviously, tw- hindsight's twenty twenty, right, Cisco? Yeah. If you would have known some of the execution issues we were going to have in the first eight weeks of the season, there's no fucking way you would have said we were going to go eight and uh, thirteen and four, right? Yeah. But you didn't foresee those things being issues. No, I, I mean, and I also looked at our opponents, right? Like, yeah, that's true. Outside of losing to the Vikings and the Lions, I don't think there's a there's a whole lot of other teams that we really should have lost to. I mean, we should have, but like, you know. Again, hindsight, but I think we have a lot of, to be optimistic about. If I'm, if I'm a GM searching for a job and this job is open, I don't think there's too many teams out there I would rather go to. And I'm, and that's not, that's not being biased. That's just looking at. You got a quarter. Uh, you got a quarterback that looked pretty freaking good. Um, you know what I mean? He's still young. You have two rookie. Well, won't be rookies now, but two rookie tight ends that look like they can play the part. They each can play the part. You got Romeo Dobbs. You got Dontavian Wicks. You got Jaden Reed. Um, All right. So Lane, you know, you got offensive lineman. You got Jenkins still, right. You, you know, so like you got Zach Tom, you have Aaron Jones still. So laying Um, all that out there, Cisco, laying all what you just did. Who is the guy on their first, they're still on their rookie contract. So, and it can't be Jordan Love. That's the only one. That's the caveat. Yeah, that's a who's good the one. guy that's gonna make that year two. I'm gonna say year two, but it could be someone like Romeo Dobbs or Christian Watson, or even Eric Stokes, if that's the way you want to go. Or Quay Walker. Uh, I, I'm using year two as the verbiage, but it doesn't have to be a rookie. Who's the guy you see 2024 that you go, that's the dude, right? Like who's your guy that's going to have the breakout 2024 that he has solidified himself as a Packer for the future, right? Like, um, that's a good question. Uh, I, my brain automatically wants to go one offense, one defense. Um, but I will just start with the person that I think, that I think this about anyway. A um, couple things to think about. Our defense is changing, right? We're going from uh, a 3-4 to a 4-3. New defensive coordinator. Bunch of new defensive coaches, right? Uh, new linebackers coach that, that people are pretty excited about. Hey, um, can, I, can I say one thing about what you just said? Yeah. Because we haven't talked about <clears throat> Jeff Halfley much. What I think 
you're right. He does. We are going to a four three. But what he plays a lot of that I think is going to really weigh free agency in the draft is he plays a ton of four two five. So that nickel corner is on the field more than the, that second middle or that third middle linebacker, which mm, that's which good yeah. That's so he is a heavy four two five guy with a over the top safety. So like really, it's a four two four one if you're looking at it in terms of like how the alignment looks. He has a center fielder, which is that really athletic safety with ball skills, and then he has <laughs> which we do not have. Which we do not have, which we'll go into go into a discussion here in a minute. But that guy also has the ability to come down and tackle. So he's his second middle or third middle linebacker. Is that that safety that really controls the defense, if you will? He's not going to okay. be the green dot, according to Jeff Halfley, but he is the guy who kind of makes it all work. So the reason that's important is because I don't want you to answer with player X, and that player may not really be in the future of the Packers because it's, yes, we need a third middle linebacker, but that third middle linebacker could theoretically be a safety. No, no, no. And I mean, I, to be honest, the, the, the point of bringing this up is I really feel this, this is, this is something that I really believe that having four down linemen is going to make things a little easier for guys in the middle in terms of not being able to be double teamed so so much. And I think that the guy that's going to make a jump is going to be – I'm between two guys, but I'm going to go with Carl Brooks. I know hey. – But I think he showed a lot towards the end of the season. But it could also be uh, Devontae Wyatt. I just think that position is going to open up and it's not going to be so packed in there where – because you can't, you you could you could get by blocking Preston Smith most times, right? You maybe don't need to double team him. Gary, double team, maybe you don't double team. But Kenny Clark, you double team. You can't now with with more guys, more bigger men playing on the on the front of the uh, that front line. You're not going to be able to double team as many guys, and I think that hey, you want to over- double team Carl Brooks? Do it, because guess who's guess who you're not double teaming. Kenny exactly. Clark. Exactly. So I so, think I th- so there, there's variables that play into it. It's not that like this person is going to be this mega star. It's just could be circumstance. But I do believe with with the experience that he has, because he was a five year player in college, the motor that he's got, he's always fucking going. He doesn't stop. I think that he will be the guy barring injury that will take advantage of this defensive change the most currently young guy. And that that's, I mean, I, I know that everybody's like, yeah, you've been on this guy since you wanted him, them to draft him, Then they drafted him here. And I love him. I love the guy. I think he's a, a, he's a guy that just goes out there and fucking gets in the trenches. Doesn't, you don't, he do complaining. There's no, shit talking he just goes in there and gets the job done and statistically he didn't pop out this year but watching the game the eye test he definitely popped the eye test oh. so i think this is just... there's no doubt that Carl Brooks is one of the best players on our defense this year we don't need stats to tell us that he affected the game positively like you're 100% on point i, I appreciate that you're trying to like i'm going to co-sign it in the fact that you don't need stats to back up what you're saying is all i'm getting at like yeah 
Defensive linemen don't usually have the stats. They might get 30 tackles a year, and that's good. Because they're, they're there to eat blocks. They're there to hurry, pressure, and potentially get sacks. And he did everything that was asked of him. And he did yeah. it well. I, I, I like I, it. I, I should have saw yeah. it coming, and I didn't. Yeah, you should have. Because I, I was like, oh, this is going to. But it could, it could easily be uh, Devontae Wyatt, too. Yeah, I, I like position. I like what Wyatt. Because he <sighs> he looked he had some he had some some ups towards the end of the season as well. He did. Uh, you know what? He was one of the best defensive players on our on our definitely on our defensive lineman towards the end of the year. Yeah, he's got a motor on him that with his size and strength shouldn't exist. And like on Kyle paper, Brooks, he should be the guy. It, it he should, should be him because he was a first round draft pick. He's from Georgia. You know, he went to Georgia like. He should be the guy, not the guy that's the fifth. He was a fifth-year senior from Bowling Green. Not discrediting because I love. I think that Carl Brooks is an amazing player. I'm just saying on paper it should be Wyatt, but that you know we know that's not always the case. That's just how the NFL. That's how sports go in general. But can I give an offense a guy? Can I can I play you? This is normally your role. This, I got a name hey, to be. I got a one you're pretty, two. Hey, you're pretty good at the role. I appreciate it. Yes, you can. <laughs> But I'm going to give my offensive guy first, and then I'll oh, give so my defensive guy after. Two. You're going to go two. Sure. I wasn't planning on it. Oh. You beat me. Like, I was not pl- planning on it? I was not. I really wasn't planning on this. Oh, I didn't even think of it. Now I feel like nope. I can do it. I like it. No, I like it. But the reason <laughs> I want to give my offensive guy first is because I don't want you to take my <laughs> offensive guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Who do you think my offensive guy is? Let's see Dante how well. Oh, man, that's some bullshit. We did not talk about this. Yeah, it's 100%. Number 13, the kid's going to be a fucking star. And I'm not just saying that because I – I'm saying that because of everything I saw. Like, the dude is Devontae Adams 2.0. I'm not going to stop saying it. Like, every fucking clip I send you, Cisco, of him is Devontae Adams. Like – He's even more polished than Devontae Adams at this point in his career. Oh, yeah. His I, rookie – Devontae's first Devante two had, years – Yeah, Devontae took a few – Devontae took yeah. time. Devontae – and here's what else I'll say. Devontae had Jordy. Devontae had James Jones. Devontae had Greg Jennings. Devontae had Donald Driver. Like, maybe not Driver. Driver might have retired by then. But my point in saying that is Devontae had people to look at and go, that's how it is. That's how I need to be a pro. Dontavian is looking to his left and his right, and everyone is on the same plane, right? Everyone knows the seat. The, the, with the exception of Romeo Dobbs, Samari Toure, and Christian Watson, everyone's in the same boat. I would argue he's in the same boat with those guys outside of maybe Dobbs. Well, I'm saying uh, years in the league. I meant meant like experience. Like they know how life in the NFL is. Dontavian Wicks is trying to figure out what the fuck his role is in the NFL from like a life perspective, right? You could could argue that that puts more pressure on him to be better because there's – when you look around, nobody's standing out. So, no, no, our leading receiver this year was Jaden Lee with 600. (laughs) Uh, seven hundred. I think it was six ninety four. But I have seven ninety three. Oh man, was it seven ninety three total or seven ninety three receiving? It says seven ninety three receiving. Okay, so he was close to nine hundred total because I think he had a little over a hundred rushing. 
eight touchdowns. So here's he the thing. Jaden Reed is 119 rushing. So he was just over 900. Um, here's the thing about Jaden Reed. He has everything it takes to be a star in this league. And I do think he could become that. But when it comes to the guy who's going to jump off the page year two, for me, it's Dontavian Wicks. Like everything this guy does is, in my opinion, spectacular. Like the best separation. He's the separation king. Yeah. So anybody that wants top to. Th- right? Top three or was he the He top? was the one. He was number one. Yes. Outside of who? Who was the other two? One was. It was like, I think another like lower name guy. And then it was like Amon Wasane Brown or something to that. It was like a, it was a, yeah, yeah, it was yeah, a pro yeah. bowler. Yeah. But my point in saying that or bringing this up is. You don't see that from a guy who's trying to figure the league out, right? I think from a mental perspective and from – like he almost needs his talent now to match match his mental state, right? Because you don't create yeah. separation like that based – in my opinion, based off of pure talent. You need to understand how a cornerback's leverage is. You need to understand coverage. You need to understand where the safety is. You need to understand where the linebacker – you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, I could – I could literally talk about this for hours. Like, Dontavian Wicks, to me, is the guy. There is no is – is Watson the one? Is Dobbs the one? Is Jaden Reed this uh, hybrid slot slash one? No, it, it, none of it. It's Dontavian Wicks, like, for me. And, and I think he's going to – Well, I think you could argue uh, to help with – you know what I mean? Jaden Reed has shown – he showed us a lot. Already, he has, and there's no doubt that I think he's. There's not. It's not like there's much. Like his jump will be shorter because of what he's shown statistically in year one. So right. So that's where I think it's a little more difficult for offense. Like Kyle Brooks. (coughs) When you said Kyle Brooks, I was I'm 100 percent on board. But when if if you looked at his year statistics, you would go. That's the guy, right? Because they don't pop off. J.D. Yeah. Reed's do. Offensive players do. On paper, looking at just the normal stats, Dontavian Wicks' season doesn't jump off. But when you start getting into some of what we hate, the advanced analytics, we hate it for a different reason. I love it for this. Dontavian Wicks, to me, is better than Jaden Reed today. I know Jaden Reed's season was more accomplished from a statistical standpoint. But if you remove some of the targets from Jaden Reed, they could have easily went to Dontavian Wicks because the statistics have shown us that he was open. Yeah. It's just that's the way Jordan Love plays. It's like Aaron Rodgers early in his career. He didn't have a 1,000-yard receiver for the first couple of years of his career. Why? Because he had four 700, and that yeah. was this year with Love. He had, three, I think, three receivers with almost 600 yards or more than 600 yards. I think it was yeah, he, it was Reed, Wick, has, Reed Wicks and Dobbs. Uh, one second, I got it for you. Um, yards, you had Reed with seven ninety three, Dobbs six seventy four, Wicks five eighty one. So right, so three three guys with close to six hundred yards from the receiver perspective, and two of them are rookies, and one of them's a second year yeah. player. Like this offense, and go- Musgrave and and Kraft had three fifty apiece. So here's uh, where I'm gonna give. For Watson. So here's I mean, where I'm, Cisco. Here's where I'm gonna throw yeah. the winter wrinkle in. For me, it's Dontavian Wicks. 
and there's no questions, but I want to throw a stat out there. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not picking a one B on offense, but I want to throw a stat out to you that I heard yesterday that I thought was super crazy. And I was like, man, we might be looking at something that we've never seen in the NFL. Cause, and this is what I mean. We have Jaden Reed, who's going to potentially be a star coming out of the slot and out of the backfield, like in the backfield role, right? Uh, yeah. Like jet sweeps, et cetera. We have Dontavian Wicks that could solidify himself as a number one with Romeo Dobbs, pretty close second. And then we have Luke Musgrave, who I think in his rookie year, missing as many games as he did, has proven to us that he can be the tight end, right? You know the yeah. guy who nobody talks about that had statistically a better season than when it came to – and this is a specific stat – Tucker Kraft had more yards after catch and yards after contact than Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. Do you know, do you know what's crazy? Is I was going to mention, not that uh, I'm not revealing my offensive pick, but I think I think Kraft is going to be better. Than Musk- well, we talked about that preseason, remember? Yeah. We said he was probably the more polished tight end because Musgrave really is just a big wide receiver. But I thought Musgrave's blocking ability was substantially better at the end of the year. And if he ties that down, he is an offensive threat. And in Matt LaFleur's offense, two tight ends, you either have two tight ends or you have no tight ends because one tight end doesn't do it. How how much do we say fucking DeGuara when Musgrave went out? Yeah. Right. Because his offense is based around two, two post, two tight end personnel. So I'm going to get off my high horse with the offense and I want to hear your standout who you expect to so, be the standout guy. So the guy that uh, that I'm expecting to be the standout guy on offense, the young guy, Sean Ryan. Offensive lineman. I know what you're talking about. I just didn't know what to say. That's that. I like it, but you, think, uh, that, that's surprising. And I think, he, I think, him playing towards the end of the season a lot more. Uh, the fact that, and this could change if if we re-sign John Runyon. I don't want to get into the free agents. We're about to get into that now anyway. But if we if we re-sign John Runyon, maybe I change that. But I would I even think, say I don't think you would have to change it because I think John Runyon is there for depth. Because I think Sean Ryan proved at the end of the year that he was going to be the future white guard of this team. I mean, wasn't he a third round pick? Uh, I don't know what round he was, but I, yeah, uh, interesting. I think he was a third round pick. Cause he's in that conversation for the third round picks. Not. Oh yeah. Through. Yeah. So an interesting stat about Sean Ryan that I uh, read yesterday that I don't know, it just kind of was interesting to me is he's the only 320 plus interior offensive lineman that Brian Gutenkunz has ever drafted. Just thought it was That's interesting. Pretty- I mean, it means nothing. It just was one of those things that, yeah, I think that the point of the the stat was Sean Ryan is the anomaly of what Goody drafts. He drafts the 290 to 310 athletic guys, and Sean Ryan is not that. He is a cheese grater, for lack of a. Uh, you know, he. I'll be honest. We saw him. We saw, we him, saw him destroying. Him oh, I was I gonna. Saw him at bre- yeah, I saw him in person at breakfast uh, one day um, during. Was it during the off season? I think. Did you say what up, and, little uh, fella? He, no, I, you know, I didn't put it, I'll be honest, I didn't put it together right away. And uh, Alina had said something, so I looked it up, and then I was like, oh, shit, that's who that guy was, you know. But he didn't, he didn't look like 
He didn't look that big. So he might have I mean, been drafted. Yeah, he's a. I mean, he was a big. He's a big dude. This was no. This was like the off season. No, what I'm saying is he might have been drafted at 321, and they got oh, him down. Yeah. It was just yeah. one of those things that I thought was interesting. He was slim, thick. Pause. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting because I think they were talking about maybe the offensive lineman for Miami, Cohen, who has oh, outwardly yes. said yeah. that he wants to come play in Green Bay and he wants to block for Jordan Love. I think he's a bigger boy, so I think. And I don't mean that derogatory. I think he, what I meant is like he's just a heavier dude. So I think they were saying yeah, he's like a solid dude. He looks he looks big. So I think they were saying in terms of like the trends of the Green Bay interior offensive lineman draft picks, Cohen would be again an anomaly. And Sean Ryan, two years or last year, was the one who has stood out. Yeah, and I think you look at and like outside of that, like getting back to why I'm picking. Uh, him is he, not only is Runyon a free agent, but you have who Royce Newman. Yeah, he's got to go though. Right? He's yeah. He's he's not good. Who who else do you have at the position? I think they got I mean, some can, guys in waiting, but you 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 got to ask: Is Zach Tom the future right tackle? Which I think is a yes. And I don't want to jump too much into the free agency. Um, not that Zach Tom's a free agent, but like. Zach Tom is a great interior offensive lineman, but for me, he proved that he's a great right, right tackle. Yeah. So well, he could also be the center. Because he yeah. can play center too. But so my, my point is, I think that that has it's Sean Ryan's time. Significant. It's significant because the opportunity is there. Whereas, I mean, I agree with you with Wicks. If I was gonna, you know what I mean. But he's also going to be competing with Reed, Dobbs, Watson. Uh, you know, Bo Melton, if he's uh, Malik Heath, like he's got people to compete. Hey, motherfuckers better stop sleeping on Bo. That motherfucker. No, I'm not saying you are. I'm just making that um, comment. Sean Ryan's going to have so much more opportunity. And if he solidifies himself and he starts the whole year, that's a jump. Like you're not going to see that statistically, but if you can become in and you become the starting guard for a team, that has optimism, right? There's things to be optimistic about. We we are not looking to just be competitive, but we're looking to get to the playoffs and get to the Super Bowl. If you can solidify yourself as that team's starting guard, that says a whole lot. That's a jump. That's a huge jump. Agree. So that's why I picked that. I agree, I I agree picked. with you, and I like that you stepped outside a little bit of the comfort zone because that's a difficult one to pick because statistically and like – that's an eye tester, right? Like, we have to talk about that at the end of next year. <clears throat> Did Sean Ryan meet the eye test? With the exception of, like, penalties and sacks allowed, there's not really a great metric, in my opinion, for offensive linemen, right? Yeah. Because, like, pancake blocks really isn't a thing no more. Like, you don't hear, like, oh, this guy. You only hear, well, he held seven times and he gave up 12 sacks or whatever, you know? And if those statistics if, if those statistics match the eye test, then the guy's a success at guard. So my defensive one before we jump into a quick free agency discussion, I gotta go with Quay Walker, man. I, I, I just have to. And it it's ninety well, I'll say it's seventy five percent his athleticism and his ability, and twenty five percent this new linebacker coach. And this yeah, and linebacker funny, coach I threw, is. I threw that comment out there because I was trying to trick you to make you think I was going to 
You tricked me a little bit because I didn't foresee Kyle Brooks. I'll be honest, when we started the conversation, when we only intended to say one player for the entire team, I thought you were for sure going to go offense just based on, I think, numbers-wise, there's probably double the amount of players on offense that are in this discussion than there are on defense because most of our secondary is not, most of our defensive line, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One linebacker is because it's Quay Walker. I mean, you could put McDuffie on there, but if you're going to pick McDuffie over Quay Walker, then I, I wonder, like, what are we what are we talking about? Although McDuffie could make a huge jump. That's not what I'm saying. But I love this Campanelli, dude. I've watched a few of his, like, I guess, videos with the way he talks to his players and, and watching Halfley's um, – Jeff Halfley's uh, – introduction press conference and him telling, you know, I'm going to give my coaches the ability and the space to coach. And this, this Campanelli, man, he is a fiery dude. And I think he's going to just, I think he's going to let Quay put his hair down. If I mean, he doesn't have any, but you know what I'm saying? Like he's going to let him run sideline to sideline and become the athletic freak that, and just be the athletic freak he is. So if I have to pick a player on defense, because I hadn't even thought about it, because as soon as I thought of this question, it was like number 13 all the way. Like, there's no other fucking player on the Plackers that I'm more excited to watch future-wise. And I'm, I I honestly, not to jump back to Wicks, I actually mean that. Like, he is – I am the most excited for Dontavian Wicks' growth and, like, what is he going to be next year. But I'm excited for Quay, man. And this is kind of a make-or-break year if, if yeah. for me – it's crazy because I keep thinking that Quay's like such like he's a veteran, but he's only been on the team for about two seasons. Like this will be his third season, right? Twenty twenty two was the draft. Yeah, so he's the same class as um, uh, Devontae Wyatt. So yeah, so, but I feel like but I but he Quay does seem like more like he's older. Well, I think it's because his rookie well his rookie year he led the team in tackles and he had the most I think tackles in a, in a rookie season for a Green Bay Packer in history. So we look at him as being somewhat solidified. But yeah. at the end of the day, he's still a 22, 23 year old young man that's trying to figure the game out. So I, he's my guy. It might be the kind of cop-out pick in a way. I don't think anyone in the secondary really excites me from a young standpoint. It could be Carrington Valentine. That motherfucker might got the juice, but we need yeah. to see a little. Van Ness? Van, Van Ness? Ness? Yeah, but Van Ness, I got I to gotta see. I got to see how he's going to fit in this scheme. I'm interested to see, and I know he played hand in the ground at Iowa, but I'm interested to see him against like a left tackle. Right, like you're going up against the best of the best in the world, and you're gonna take advantage of having a Kyle Brooks, Colby Wooden, Kenny Clark, T.J. Slayton, Devontae Wyatt interior defensive line, or are you going to be just a guy who gets ate up? So I'm, I am interested. Without that, you, I guess what I'm trying to say is, he to me is still raw, and he he still relies a lot on his athleticism yeah and i feel like when you put your hand in the ground as a defensive lineman technique takes precedent over and that's why kyle books in my opinion is so fucking good his technique is amazing like he's not the biggest dude he's not the fastest dude he's not the strongest dude 
but he might be the smartest defensive lineman on our team. He's a smart dude. He's smart and he knows how to use his leverage and his body and his things like that. Like he just, he gets, he is a football player, right? Whereas Van Ness understand on paper, he's a football player, but to me, he's an athletic freak that plays football. He needs to become a football player. Yeah. It's funny you ask about him because I was watching. I'll tell this story real quick. I was watching a video the other day where they were talking about when Clay Matthews moved to middle linebacker, he had 10 and a half, uh, he had like eight and a half sacks in six games or something the year we moved him mid season. Yeah, I remember that. And he was on the sideline and it must have been like right after a sack and somebody goes, Somebody made a comment about like, bro, you're a middle linebacker. How are you getting all these sacks? And he, he just looked at the dude and goes, because I'm a pass washer. <laughs> like, it, <laughs> it, it kind of made me laugh because I was like, yeah, dude, but that's not your role. But at the end of the day, Clay Matthews, true and true, was a pass rusher. And I say that story because that's kind of what reminds me of Lucas Van Ness right now. He is a one-trick pony in the terms of he's an athletic freak, right? He yeah. needs to get some technique down and he needs to start using other ways to, to accomplish what we need him to accomplish. And if he figures that out, this fucking form, this defensive line is going to be scary. So, I mean, I, hopefully, and they blitz the linebackers a lot. Quay is a fast motherfucker, man. Seeing him coming through the middle. Whew, yeah. We'll see. All right, man, let's jump into free agency. I think we belabored enough on why we're excited going into next year. But what do you think? This is this is just what we expect to see, yeah. right? This is not. So let's structure it so we don't just blabber, even though we probably will. Um, who? What's your top three positions that we need? Let's not put a player to it. Let's just put, hey, free agency, not talking about the draft. We'll talk about the draft in the future. Going in. Into the draft, what positions do we need to solidify so they're not reliant 100% on the draft, in your opinion? In my opinion, uh, safety. Um, I think with the fact that three of our safeties are free agents, Savage, Owens, and Ford, uh, you have no choice but to dip into free agency. So that automatically makes that position one of the more important positions um, uh, uh, to address in free agency. Another position I would I think that we need to look at in free agency is going to be linebacker. Um, I think Campbell is getting old. He's been banged up. McDuffie, yeah, but, I mean, you got a guy like Patrick Queen is a free agent. Um, so, you know, I think linebacker is a place that we could look to upgrade. Um, and I guess – I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think I, I was going to say maybe offensive line, but I don't think so. Um, running back just because Dylan, Dylan is a free agent. Uh, and then it leaves you with just Aaron Jones. So I think it's important to sign somebody. Cause I don't think you want to go in. I mean, Emmanuel Wilson showed us a little bit of something in the preseason, not much during the season. Um, I don't know. I feel like this is like kind of picking at straws for this third this third group because you could go a couple different ways. But I'll just stick with that. I'll safety linebacker and uh, and running back. Yeah, it's. I agree, and it's kind of uh, maybe we should have done round robin, but maybe not. 
um, because mine are the same three in the exact same order. I think safety is a no-brainer, and it's 99.9% has to do with Jeff Halfley's uh, defensive philosophy. It's not – I agree with you. We have multiple dudes that are going to be free agents, and we've kind of told Savage in a way that, hey, you're not – the future of this organization isn't going to be – a future of your career field is – a career is not going to be in this organization – by not picking up his uh, his uh, option before it became dead cap. And, and I could argue that running back could take precedent over middle linebacker. So maybe I'd go safety running back. And that's because we don't know what's going to happen with A.J. Dillon. And from my understanding, Patrick Taylor, due to the fact that we picked him up off of the practice squad in the middle of the season, he's not um, <clears throat> technically under contract. And then yeah, it says he's exclusive so we, restricted free agent. So, so we can sign him. Like we hold the rights essentially, but that he's not on our roster. So we yeah, would have yeah. to resign him just like Caleb Jones is in that is in that group. And so is the punter uh Daniel Whalen. I thought he had an amazing year, kind of off topic, but Daniel Whalen I think needs to be back. Um but well, if you're not gonna, yeah, if you're not gonna resign him, we should have went after that uh, Matareza or whatever his name is. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. Um, but my third one that I would then take middle linebacker out, if I were to do that, would be cornerback. And here's why: don't know if Stokes still has the ability to play at the NFL level. Again, the coaching staff knows way better than you and I do. But from a fan perspective, not sure if he still has it. But here's the one guy that we are going to probably let go that played Keyshawn is Keyshawn Nixon. And he played such an intricate role in the defense last year. Now, he had a lot of errors. He, I don't know the statistics offhand, and I'm not going to spend the time to find the article. But it was something like Keyshawn Nixon needs to be the one free agent that they bring back out of all of them. And, and they laid it out. Then at the end of the article, they went pretty critical and said, well, while getting targeted, he allowed 80% of completions or something, something. It was it was very like, well, why the fuck would we bring this guy back? And it had to do with his tackling ability, and he, he, he let very, very few yards after the catch. So he allowed completions, but everything stayed in front of him. Yeah. And I'm only bringing – And he, he made some – he was a guy that could make a big play for you too. Yeah, and, and they didn't so get in – he almost gave up that fucking – well, he did give it up, but that that uh, kick return. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, he didn't um, – yeah, he <laughs> got caught. Um, so I only say cornerback for me because we do have Jair, we do have Carrington Valentine, and we do have Corey Valentine. Keyshawn Nixon is no longer under contract, and we don't know if Eric Stokes truly has what it takes – but no one on the roster right now, with the exception of possibly Jair Alexander, can play on the inside. So are you going to move your best cover corner, rely on Carrington Valentine and maybe Corey Ballantyne or Eric Stokes again if, if, if he proves that he's healthy enough to come back and play in the NFL again to play on the outside while you let Jair move to the inside? And that's going to be an interesting, I guess, dilemma slash decision on Jeff Halfley's Part because he comes from the cornerback tree, right? Like he, he was born and raised coaching cornerbacks in his coaching career. So or de- I'll just say defensive backs. It's not just cornerbacks. So 
<clears throat> I think what we do in free agency at the at the corner and safety position is going to be really telling of how the draft goes. Because if you don't address either of those in free agency, at minimum, like bringing back a Keyshawn Nixon, then you you almost have to go cornerback and safety in the first two uh, first two to three rounds. Yeah, and I was t- I was talking with Saad about this too because I I told him uh, I had sent him one of my mock drafts, you know, and my my caption was. This is me thinking we're going to sign somebody pretty significant uh, in terms of talent at the safety position, so we don't necessarily need to go after a safety in the first two rounds, right? So, like, that's – and, and so that dictates where we go, but I do think that we're going to – I agree with you with the cornerback situation where if we don't – if we don't do anything, like, that could be a position that we – that we have to draft for. So maybe we do address it in free agency. Maybe it does take the place of the running back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because you have Aaron Jones, but um, I am, it is curious because I, I, I don't see us signing a cornerback. I see us maybe signing, like definitely signing a safety. So that does make sense though. When you look at other sports media mock drafts, when they say we could go after, uh, you know, uh, uh, Cooper Dijon, uh, Kool Aid, Kool Aid McKinstry, uh, uh, the Wakestraw, yeah, <clears throat> or uh, TJ TJ Tampa, and all those guys are like unique talents that can fill multiple roles, especially like a Cooper Dijon. Now I'd say Kool Aid's probably the guy who's not going to move around as much, but like that Wakestraw and that TJ Tampa can play slot corner. They can play outside corner. Some of them can play safety. Cooper can play everywhere. So I do. I don't, and I don't think he'll be available for us. I, and he may not be, but at the end of the day, like that's the guy that Halfley needs, and that's why I can see us going safety and free agency because safety is so deep in free agency this year. Again, I'm not going to tie an individual, but there's multiple free agent safeties that have played at a high level that have played the way he needs them to. Right, that center yeah. fielder that can come down in the box when required, so he can bring that middle linebacker off the field. And it's going to be interesting because there's there's also – I'm going to counter your, your take, though. I think we are going to pick a safety up in free agency, and we're going to draft one high, a Tyler Newbin or a – Well, he's a, he's a safety, isn't he? That's what, that's what I said, safety. We're going we're gonna, to – Oh, I thought you said corner. No, no, my, corner. Oh, my bad. So I meant we're going we're gonna to sign a safety, and we're going to draft one. And whoever we draft – potentially will be that successor and I could see us grabbing a safety for a one to two year deal to allow a Tyler Newbin or the guy out of Georgia, I believe I like a lot. Which one? Javon Bullard? Yeah, or, that one. Um, nope. Javon nope. Bullard. Um, and I'm talking, when I say we're going to draft one, I'm talking the first three rounds, like one of the first 91 picks, which we have five, yeah. five picks in, but we're going to go get somebody that potentially could be, a future starter but we may not put them in that role immediately which okay. which may appear to be a waste of a pick but at the end of the day we're losing so much at that position we're going to need special teams guys yeah it's a lot of turnaround a lot of turnaround and anthony johnson didn't look like he was anything special i liked um, how he looked at the end of the year yeah but but you know what i mean like it but he can't it, play 
Yes, but I don't think he can play the role that Halfley needs him to play. Yeah. So okay, let's let let's wrap this up. I have I have a few things. Who do you want to see the uh, the safety that we sign, and then like a name? What other? Yeah, give me a guy that you want to see us go after uh, in free agency at safety, and then give me one more guy in free agency you would like to see us make a run at at any position. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do them both, and they're gonna be like tied together, right? <clears throat> okay. And I truly believe this, and I know we talked about it somewhat on the group chat, but like this is what I really think the Packers should and need to do from a cap perspective, a understanding of the offense perspective, a et cetera, et cetera. So I think we need to re-sign AJ Dillon for really the minimum. He's looking at one and a half to 3 million a year based on the running back market because it's so heavy with talent. So I think we need to re-sign AJ Dillon and it's mainly because he knows the offense. He's a formidable number two, but I also think we're going to draft a, a guy in the third, in the first three rounds as well, which then takes kind of, some of the roll away from Dylan when we get to towards the end of the year. So because you're signing AJ Dylan and you're not going and signing a Saquon or Derek Henry or insert running back X, it's going to go for like eight to 12 million. You're saving that money essentially at that position. And we need to go get a big name safety, which obviously the number one on the market right now is Antoine Winfield jr. But Signing yeah. or attempting to sign Antoine Winfield Jr. is going to come with two first-round picks and all the other bullshit. So let's be honest. Let's be realistic. That's not going to happen, right? Unless it's a t- uh, sign-in trade and they agree to take a first-round pick and that's it, which would be stupid because <laughs> you, you tagged him, which means you get two. Um, I don't see – Antoine Winfield Jr. playing for anyone other than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers next year because the, the franchise tag penalties for signing that guy is just too high. But the guy, and I can't remember his name, and I apologize, but I think he was on the Giants. Oh, Xavier McKinney? Xavier McKinney. And again, I'm going back to my philosophy of if I were GM for a day, I'm drafting a high safety in the first 60 to 70 picks, but I'm going and getting Xavier McKinney. And it's a one to two year deal, eight to nine million a year. And you're going, hey, you're here to win a Super Bowl. You're here to prove yourself. If you continue to play well, then we'll talk more in the future. But I'm also drafting a guy right behind you to take your spot when when he's ready. Yeah. So I'd like the the Xavier McKinney type player, essentially that that center fielder that can kind of go get the ball if needed but also come down in the box and tackle. Um, but I also see a big role for uh, Anthony Johnson Jr. potentially in this defense, just not the role that Halfley requires from a safety. Yeah. So I know that's kind of a real roundabout way to answer your question, but that's almost 100% predicated on us not spending a lot in the running back market. Okay. So and then – the guy I like uh, in terms of safety, and I agree with you with the Winfield thing. I think that's too much. It's going to cost too much, and we don't really have that, especially looking at an extension for Love and these young guys. Some of these young guys, they're going to need more, you know, bigger contracts or, you know, extensions. 
Uh, Cameron Curl from the Commanders is a safety that I've been looking at. I, I, I ran across his name as like a sleeper type of guy. Um, not like a stat stuffer, but he's had a like a. I know not that PFF is like the the standard, but he's had a, a 91 rating in the last three seasons that he's played. Uh, he's a free agent. Uh, he had a 115 combined tackles this past year, 74 solo, um, three tackles for loss, three quarterback hits, uh, no interception. So I feel like he plays that safety role that you're talking about that yeah. that Hap is going to want to play. Uh, so that for me at safety, that's the guy I would want to see signed. But um, I don't. I, I think it would be interesting outside of the safety position to see us sign a guy like uh, Patrick Queen. Yeah. He, he's a, he's a guy out there that I think that that's a, a, a name floating around that I could see as a, a, definitely is an upgrade for our team. Yeah, a hundred percent. And then you're relying on uh, McDuffie to kind of play that. Not every down linebacker because you have Queen and Quay and you can kind of rely on McDuffie to play those run essentially down in distances and, and have those three linebackers on the field. And yeah. I think McDuffie showed promise that he can go sideline to sideline. Yeah. He's, he was a guy that, that found, he had a nose for the ball. You know, he was, I feel like he was always around to play. Um, but you know what I mean? Well, I guess, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens in free agency. I mean, we're going to talk about, I mean, how long do we wait between free agency and a draft to do that episode, right? Probably not too long, right? Because free agency essentially will know who's still on the market a week in. And we're going to have either the big names will be off or the bit, you know. Yeah. And we'll, we'll almost have a better understanding of what we're going to have to do. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested because I think we're going to make a move. I think, you know, Packers not really known for that, but I think we're going to make a move and make a – a splash. I think it has to be at safety. We have to address that position because you can't get it all in the draft. Um, I do agree with you. I think that that will be uh, a first three round um, selection of safety, uh, regardless of what happens in free agency. Um, it just, uh, I think a lot uh, overall, a lot of optimism about the team and about the outlook in terms of having five picks in the first three rounds maybe you're going to have some, some money to spend, you know, not a whole lot, but at least enough to, to make a significant upgrade at a position. Um, I'm, I'm interested. I'm actually, I'm, I'm excited to see what free agency is going to look like for the NFL this year. Yeah. I'm extremely interested and I'm, I'm, I'm curious what guys on the market are going to end up having to take, you know, prove it deals. There's a lot of guys getting cut already. Right. I mean, there's guys out there already. Um, who uh, Shaq, Shaq Barrett, was that who they cut, yep. right? Um, Tampa. I mean, who else got cut? Xavier McKinney was cut, right? There's, he's a free there's agent. Been, Xavier, like you, Xavier Howard. Xavier Howard. There's been some big names, and I think some of those big names are going to go for big money because they were just cap casualties. But there's going to be some guys because of those big names that are going to – like an A.J. Dillon, right? Prior to week 10 – the market for AJ Dillon that I read was five plus million a year. Now I yeah. literally just read yesterday. He'll be lucky if he gets 3 million a year because the running back market has been flooded with free agents. And I would keep him for that. I would a hundred percent keep him for that because the intent isn't long-term, right? It's to go draft a possible 
Blake Corm or the guy out of Texas or even Boylan Allen in the third or fourth round. And then Ray Davis, man. That's is that the, the dude from Memphis? No, from Kentucky. Oh yeah, okay. Blue. I was think. I think I was thinking of him, but I just saw the blue. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, Kentucky. I I, I I like him, man. I, I think I think he could be a, a good player. But my point yeah, in saying that, that. No, no. But my point in saying that is, I don't see us signing Dylan in a two plus year deal because the intent isn't Dylan's the guy after Jones. It's whoever we draft this year. Yeah, and Dylan's gonna essentially Dylan's, be that band aid. It's cheap and convenient, and it's and and he knows the the system. He knows the offense. He knows yeah, that's where, the, where the convenience comes in, yep, right? For sure. So yeah, we'll see, man. We'll see how it goes. Um, what was I gonna say, man? Jimmy? Real quick, yeah. Did you see? Did you see that story about the Chiefs fan, the guy that dresses in the wolf costume? No. You ever, you ever see pictures of that guy? He's like a super fan. They call him uh, the Chief Aholic. I think I've I know who you're talking about. I just don't. Uh... This guy pled guilty to he was robbing banks all across the country. <laughs> what? Yeah, he said uh, uh, over eleven robberies, over eight hundred thousand dollars taken, and he would funnel it by uh through the casinos by going to the casino that's how he would launder the money <laughs> bro fucking nuts. he's a legend lawyer, bro i you can see it on instagram his lawyer came out and gave a statement today and like part of the statement and this shit made me laugh was like he wants the chief's kingdom to know that he loves them he appreciates their support and i'm thinking like bro you are about to go to jail for a long ass fucking time the chief's kingdom does not care about you bro so <laughs> that's good. I got two. I got two little tidbits that I I wanted to bring up in the one that I wanted to bring up in the pod, and then one that I want to know if you heard about. But one is Preston Smith being restructured today. I think that's pretty. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We did talk about. That. I think that's pretty important because it takes, in my opinion, again going to free agency and going to uh, the draft, it takes our, our need for an edge guy pretty much off the board, in my opinion. That is now. If you can find someone like super budget friendly and, and a one year deal, maybe for depth, but essentially now you have Van Ness, Gary, you know, Preston Smith, and I'm sure there's someone else on the roster. Maybe a Brenton Cox finally gets his gets his time because he was signed to a futures deal. But my point in all that is I think bringing back Smith for less money essentially one guarantees he's going to be on the roster, right? Otherwise, you don't even restructure yeah. him. You save the whatever it was, seven million by cutting him. But two, I like the fact that we – I actually do like that we brought him back because I think this team does need some of that veteran presence. And I like I like him as a pro. And he had, what, 12 sacks this year? Like, he's not he's not washed up. I just, no, no, yeah. I still don't know if he's worth a $10 million cap hit even after a structure. But this – I believe in Russ Ball and, and Goody and Matt LaFleur. And if they think that he plays a big enough role to be paid that, then I think they're making the right decision. Now, I want to, so remember the Super Bowl streaker? Yeah, he bet on himself. Oh, man, I was hoping you didn't hear that. Oh, yeah, I saw Shout that. out to the Super Bowl streaker. This motherfucker put his life savings on will there be a streaker in the Super Bowl and then went and streaked. And said, I'm fucking won. I think, I think, what did they say he won? Like 500 something? He won dollars? like, I thought it was 700K and he got fined $1,000. Like I, I went 1000 
But either way, oh, I thought it was like fifty. Either way, the man came out on top. Yeah, so he came up for sure. I bet you there won't be a streaker bet next year. No, nah, that's definitely getting taken off. Because if there is year. Cisco, I know what the fuck we gotta do. <laughs> Bro, nobody wants to see me. Streaking. I don't give. I will see you streak for seven hundred. Bro, I would get caught before I even got over. I the do rail. not give up. I will. <laughs> I will gladly see you streak the split. Nobody would even see me streak. They would think I was the offensive line. You could even take sixty. You could even take sixty-five percent of the payout. I will gladly streak for two hundred thousand dollars, my guy. I will gladly watch you streak. <laughs> oh man! On that note, yeah. On that note, streak on out of this episode. <laughs> go pack, go. Peace. Uh, peace.